Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 276? Seven. Seven of 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I'm Josh. And what I learned from A Star is Born is that if you're a popular music artist whose fan base hates the fact that you won't play all the old stuff that everybody knows, the way to placate them is to bring out a completely different singer that no one's ever heard of who sings in a completely different style. (laughs) They'll love it. And apparently crowds in the 70s were just like 30 seconds short of a full on riot. (laughs) That that theory was proven by the fact that the folksmen were booed off stage when they tried to open for Spinal Tap. <laughs> this man knows his stuff. For, the, for those of you not in the know, that's the same band doing two different styles of music, and they got booed off stage by people who came to see Spinal Tap. <laughs> yep. Christopher Guest for the win. Yay. So, yeah, so we watched A Star is Born... 1976 versus A Star is Born, 2018. Yeah, very important to uh, clarify since this movie has been made four times. Yeah, I think what the first one was like 1931, I think. I, th- I thought it was like, yeah, it's in the 30s, 33, 35. Yeah, yeah and then it was remade. And but the, I think. The, Yeah, the first two were um, all movies. They weren't. They weren't music. They changed it up when they went to '76. They went from actors to singers. So, and stuck with that for the 2018. Yes. So there you wow. go. We're gonna. Is this? This is my question. Is this the first musical we've done? I mean, can we even count? I mean, do you count this as a musical, or is it? Just, I don't count no, it as a musical. It's a movie about music. Okay. But you know what? If you like musicals. You might like the shows on the Podcast Collective. Do tell. Ah, there, was, there was a desert there. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's not a desert on the Podcast Collective, where you can find such shows as I Am Salt Lake, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, The Dog and Deuce Show, Mom and the New Dad, and of course, The Red Dead Radio Hour. <laughs> The one time we do a music so you, you can't reference anything musical in your little music riff. Wow. Shit. Wow. <laughs> this is all we're going to get from him for the good, good show now. You can throw a little evergreen in there or something. <laughs> okay, we're done here. We're, we're done here.
<laughs> I knew it. I was waiting. You're, you know, we asked for music, and you're doing the one theme song that they did not choose for Barney Miller. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Talk Show, Podverse FM, all over the interwebs. Yes. As I'm fond of saying, if you can't find us, you're not trying. Yes. Uh, and uh, Podchaser and iTunes, go on there, leave us a review, tell us what you think. We like to hear about it, and if you want to give us a call, that unless is... unless you don't like us, then shut your fucking mouth. Oh, yikes! Wow. <laughs> I was going to give out the phone number. <laughs> now I'm hesitant. Oh, uh, but it is seven eight now. Well, why are they listening to us if they don't like us anyway? There's okay. a lot of things that you do that you don't like. Oh, that's that hits a little too close to home. <laughs> uh, deep cut, yeah? deep cut, Mike. I try. 708-669-9727. Give us a call and tell Pat what he should stop doing. Ooh. Oh. Oh, oh god yeah. damn. That I think we just came with a new show title. Show idea. <laughs> things Pat should stop doing then, things to Pat should stop doing now. There's going to be some crossover there. <laughs> wow. Half yeah, of the this... calls were from Pat. He just said breathing. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell. Too real, dude. It got too real. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it is definitely about that time. I'm gonna go all Holy Charlie coughing on my own ass. <laughs> oh. Holy shit, it's that time. Stop! In music, movies, and TV. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sports. All right, dude. Um, I, I don't get paid enough for this. We don't get paid at all, dude. That's, and there goes Pat. <laughs> I'm out of here. What? What do you mean? Who's signing get... me those checks then? Uh, those checks? It was me all along. Oh my god. <gasps> Patrick is the payee. <laughs> <laughs> <don't even>... What? <laughs> it's a terrible movie. So, December 17th, 1970. It's just me sitting at a desk signing checks to myself. <laughs> and they bounce. <laughs> the fade, fade out. It's hey. true. <laughs> but yeah, In so. December 17th, 1976. The third remake of A Star is Born. It's the date that we chose. And music, Joel. The number one song in the land was Tonight's the Night, Gonna Be Alright by Rod Stewart. Subtitled, We Gonna Fuck. <laughs> yeah. oh. I do not understand how Rod Stewart became a sex symbol. He looks like, like beef jerky. <laughs> he, but I love his music. I'm a, I'm a <clears throat> fan of Rod Stewart. No, I'm, I'm a fan too, but he looks like beef jerky cosplaying as a scarecrow. Well, along with Joe Cocker, he's a guy that I like his music, but I don't want to watch him sing it. It's kind of like if Joe Cocker and Kevin Bacon had a kid. <laughs> you apologize. That'd be, that'd be Cock Bacon. Shit. <laughs> 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 Porky goodness. <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that's it, folks. Good night. Yeah. So uh, Dan Hawkins, English guitarist from the Darkness, was born in Chester Sea, England, in on December twelfth. Chester Sea. Church Sea. Church Sea. Church Sea. Church 
Let's see. I don't know. I was trying to rush through it because I wanted to get. And the date says June. December. No, it doesn't. It says December. <laughs> All right. December Thorth. <clears throat> Thorth. December Thorth, yeah. Katharina Nina Hagen is a German singer, songwriter, and actress known for her theatrical vocals during the punk and new wave movements in the late 70s and early 80s. On December 21st, she was temporarily banned from Germany, along with her stepfather, due to political speech. Hmm. Yep. You guys remember my ex, Angela, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. she, of course. She was, she was a huge Nina Hagen fan. Like She was like one of her top three. Wow. Yeah. Saw her every single time she came to Chicago. Wouldn't let me go. That's how much she liked her. <laughs> like, this is just for me. You can't go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so what was the political speech? Oh, just speaking out against the, you know, the, the wall and the, you know, the East Germany, West Germany, uh, East Berlin, West Berlin, you know, that whole thing. The, the non-unified Germany. That's, you yeah. know, you realize that there's people that have no idea nowadays that Germany was ever split. Right. That's crazy to me. There was a wall? Yeah, Joel is one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Holy crap, that was actually a good impersonation. I was going to make fun of it, but it really was good. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're done, wow. folks. Thank you. <laughs> we really are done. Been a great 276 shows, but Patrick... Yeah. Woody Allen and Ronald Reagan, we know his will... His, and, and L the Robot, we know his wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Pat. <laughs> On December 12th, Ace Freely was shocked on stage during a KISS concert in Lakeland, Florida after touching an ungrounded metal railing. The incident inspired the song, Shock Me. <laughs> and then... That, that, okay, I will beat you to this. That is why Motley Crue versus KISS, Motley Crue wins because the song... Yeah, the song Kickstart kick my, my Heart was about actually dying, whereas the song Shock Me is about getting a shock from a metal railing. So. Yeah, I was going to say, and and Motley Crue oh. says, hold my beer. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Let me go kill the singer from Hanoi Rocks. All right, I'll be back. Oh, <laughs> All right, moving on to movies. The top movie in the land was Silver Streak, starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. It was knocked off by A Star is Born the following week when it had when it was released. I love any movie that has Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor in it. Right? Yeah, good combination. Yeah. Stir Crazy is the best one, though. Ooh, I don't know. Hear No Evil, See No Evil is pretty damn I funny. I was going to say. I no, think but, that's, but, I'm with Mike on this one. I don't know. Stir, Stir Crazy, watch it again. It's so good. The, 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 the one where they get framed for the bank robbery and they go to prison. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we've seen it. Well, yeah, I then, know you have, but watch it again. It's, but it's, then Gene Wilder explaining how he held up the woman with his erection. I mean, and and the whole fuzzy wuzzy was a woman was pretty fun. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Was, what do you mean I'm black? <laughs> See. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't funny, but anyway. Okay. Moving on. All right, moving on. Other movies that premiered this week included Freaky Friday, The Shaggy DA. King Kong and the Pink Panther Strikes Again. What is it like? Family Night at the Movies? What is this? Right, that is a very family-friendly lineup. I don't know. King Kong had mild nudity in it. There like were a, there were a couple boobs. Yeah, I don't remember the '76 King Kong. Uh, Faye Dunaway was the the the, the woman and who was, the damsel. Yeah, mm. Mm. and uh, I believe Jeff Bridges was in it. Am I mistaken? Yeah, he was. Okay, I thought so. Oh, I didn't I'm not sure I ever that. saw that version. Yeah, I don't think I have either. 
I remember Faye Dunaway, but I don't remember Jeff Bridges. Mm. All, All right. right. Wait, wait. Mm-hmm. I just want Pink Panther Strikes Again. Probably my top Pink Panther movie. Is that the one with Does Your Dog Bet? Yes. That's the one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the one and the, where. And the, the Steinway. Yeah, where he. um. Where he play, he dresses up as a hunchback and floats out the window. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, that is one of the best ones for sure. Yeah. The original Pink Panther is has almost no Clouseau in it at all. So oh it, yeah, it's, it's got it's definitely out. Yeah. Who? Um. God, what's the name of the guy who's actually in it a ton? Guy who plays everybody's butler. I can't remember. I just remember watching it and being, you know, and being very disappointed. Yeah. Hmm? Mr. Belvedere? No. <laughs> I will Robert say Guillaume. It was Robert Guillaume. Oh, you know, yeah. I was going to say Robert Guillaume. <laughs> the guy from Jerry? Well, the first the first one, actually, I'm, think, I'm thinking of uh, A Shot in the Dark. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Totally different. Yeah. All right, moving on. Koyuki Kato was born on December 18th. Better known by her stage name, Koyuki, she's a Japanese model and actress. She appeared in Kiyoshi Kurosawa's 2001 film Pulse, and her first international film was The Last Samurai, where she played Taka, wife of a slain samurai. She also appeared in the acronym of the week, which is B-T-L-V, which I'm pretty sure was Barney Takes Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Which Barney? There's a lot of Barney. (laughs) Barney Fife? I was thinking of the purple dinosaur. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Barney Miller, Barney the thing, Barney Fife take. <laughs> Barney the dinosaur. Uh, no, it's this bar- Barney's going to Vegas. <laughs> oh, but Andy. <laughs> I love you. Baby Bop says it tastes like it's copper pennies. <laughs> and Barney Gumble. Gotta throw him in there, too. Nope, that's um, actually Blood, the Lost Vampire. We were Last. you were very wrong. <laughs> okay, well, in Blood, the Last Blood. Vampire, she starred as Jun Ji Hyun. Oh, starred with Jun Ji Hyun, where she played Onigen, the arch villain. I don't think I've ever seen that actually. It's, it's really good. good. Yeah, it's good. gallons and gallons and gallons of blood. Yep. Oh, so it's not and just vampire. a clever title. No, <laughs> not at all. Did heads blew up real good. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Frank Forrest was an American operatic tenor and actor who enjoyed success in the 1930s and 1940s after rebooting his career. Forrest studied agricultural engineering at the University of Minnesota and later helped found the profitable pharmaceutical film White Laboratories of Kenilworth, New Jersey. <laughs> yes. I think that's White Laboratories. Of Kenilworth, New Jersey. I don't think that was all one title. Comet changes everything. It was a firm, not a not film. A film. Did I say Pharma- film? Yeah, pharmaceutical no. firm. Gotcha. <laughs> no wonder I can't find it on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> he gave up the business to follow a lifelong interest in singing. He spent 12 years performing leading tenor roles in opera houses all over Europe and acted in several firms. <laughs> I did that one on purpose. <laughs> Acted in several films, including Altic Romance, his most popular film. In 1955, he started pouring his energy and money into the creation of the Empire State Festival, a New York City summer opera festival. Frank died on December 23rd. Absorbed, Forrest, absorbed. <laughs> Somebody snickered. <laughs> I wouldn't be proud of that one. I don't ah. care. <laughs> I'm not laughing little... with you on that one. <laughs> 
All right, so TV, the top shows in the land were a very, very 1976 All in the Family, Rich Man, Poor Man, Laverne and Shirley, Maud and the Bionic Woman. Maud never made that noise. <laughs> that would be a great remake. Someone's got to get on that. Remake Maud. The Bionic Maud. <laughs> That's the fastest waitress I've ever seen. No, 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 no. You're thinking of Maud was a waitress? No, Ar- that's Alice. Alice was oh, a waitress. Oh, Alice was a waitress. What was Maud? Maud was B. Arthur. Yeah, B. Arthur, the spinoff from All in the Family. Where, you know, she played, she played Edith's cousin, Maud. No, 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 no. Is it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> is it made or does it seem like every show in the 70s was a spinoff of at least two two shows? Everything was a spinoff. Because Laverne and Shirley was a spinoff of Happy Days. And All in the Family was a spinoff of 60 Minutes. Exactly. All right, moving on. On December 17th, Atlanta, Georgia... Chico and the Man was a spinoff of The Brady Bunch. Little known fact. No, 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 no. I want to say you're wrong, but I don't know enough about Chico and the Man to be sure. <laughs> All right, December 17th, Atlanta, Georgia. Station WTCG-TV begins satellite transmission of its regular programming to four cable systems, thus becoming the first superstation known as WTBS. And that eventually became what? TBS? TBS, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Turner Broadcasting System. Yeah, go Turner. When he bought it, he, when he, bought it, he renamed it. Good on him, man. Uh, Wonder Woman, starring Linda Carter, who I must say is still looking amazing, mm-hmm. uh, debuted on December 18th. Wonder Woman! And moving on to sports. sports. On December 12th, Joe Namath... I'm sorry, are you allergic to Joe Namath? What was that? Yes. On December 12th, Joe Namath played his last game as a New York Jet. He retired one year later after an unsuccessful session season. I'm sorry, geez, with the L.A. Rams. Aaron Wade Miles, born December 15th, was an American former MLB second baseman. He played nine seasons from 2003 to 2011 for the Chicago White Sox, Colorado Rockies, St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago Cubs, and L.A. Dodgers. <laughs> I have no idea who that even is. Sports was kind of thin this week. Yeah, there's no cricket in here anywhere. Yeah. I mean, there was cricket, but none of them were in- interesting. Like one Oh, wait. Of the next one is cricket. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this was the most interesting of the cricket. That's how bad cricket was. Lastly in sports, Edward Lawson Bartow Bartlett was a West Indian cricketer who played in West Indies' inaugural test tour of England in 1928. He played first-class cricket as a batsman for the Barbad- for Barbados from 1923 to 1939. His only first-class century was 109 against Nottinghamshire in 1928, and his best test score was 84 against Australia in 1931. He is mostly known for having potential he never met. He died on December 21st, still a bitter disappointment. He is the... Uh... One of the patron, other patron saints of 40 yeah. going on 14. <laughs> he is not in the cricket Mount Rushmore, but he's definitely in the 40 going on 14 Mount Rushmore. 
Oh, yeah. This guy should have been something. (laughs) Should have been a guy. So, yeah. um, Joel, take us out. No, 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 no. I am quick pausing it here. I heard something upstairs. I got to take a look at it because something sounded like it fell. All right. So, A Star is Born, 1976. Uh, who, Who came up with this idea? Oh, I don't know. It wasn't me, I don't think. It wasn't me. Uh, it must have been me. Okay. <laughs> Take credit, Josh. Take credit. Oh, go ahead. Run with that one. Um, <clears throat> so. I think it might have just been like a collective something we came up with when we were brainstorming one time. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I know that because it was in Oscar season, uh, it was something that was on my radar, but I was unlikely to watch it unless we did it for the show. So. Right. Yeah, there's... Same here. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we watch just because... We love you guys. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's one of those movies that, you know, I heard so much about. I knew I should watch it, but I really wasn't going to on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, lot of press, a lot of publicity. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, star is born a, uh, 1976, a talented rock star. John Norman Howard has seen his career begin to decline. Too many years of concerts and managers and life on the road has made him cynical of the monotony has taken its toll. Then he meets the innocent, pure, and very talented singer Esther Hoffman. As one of his songs in the movie says, I'm going to take you, girl. I'm going to show you how. And he does. He shows Esther the way to stardom while forsaking his own career. And as they fall in love, her success only makes his decline even more apparent. That is a uh, summary written by A. Lloyd Adams. It's a pretty good one, actually. Actually, it really is. I mean, the one on IMDb is always terrible, so I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, compared to most of them we find, but that was pretty good. Chris right. Christopherson <clears throat> points Barbara Streisand. Right. Uh, so this is <laughs> directed that the... by... <laughs> that was Quagmire's summation. <laughs> Giggity. Giggity. Her boobs are almost always falling out. <laughs> hey there, boobly arms. <laughs> <laughs> So this is directed by Frank Pearson, who is known for Dog Day Afternoon and Presumed Innocent. Oh, Dog Day Afternoon. A great movie. Um, right. And also he was a writer on Cool Hand Luke and some episodes of Mad Men. But past this, uh, director-wise, he's only directed 19 things. Um, past The Star is Born, he did King of the Gypsies, uh, which... Um, st- Eric Roberts and Judd Hirsch. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. What? Exactly. I'm not drunk enough to watch that. I mean, look at this. Okay. Here here's the cast in this. Eric Roberts, Judd Hirsch, and Susan Sarandon. What? There's no way that is good. Okay. What? Toss in Annette O'Toole and Brooke Shields, and you got yourself oh a god. deal. What? Shelly Winters. Oh. What? Exactly. Um, past past this. Okay, so just is to let Richard you know, kind in it? he he might be. He plays an ashtray. Um, <laughs> now that I'm watching. In the criminal and violent world of modern day gypsies, based in New York City, their king Zarko Stepanowitz <laughs> passes his leadership onto the unwilling grandson, leaving the skipped father resentful. He's a gypsy via Chicago. I and okay, it you know honestly, it sounds pretty 
it's a thing. It's I I would watch it at least once, but director wise, he really hasn't done anything except for TV past the Gypsy thing. So, there you go. <clears throat> uh, writing credits: John Gregory Dunn, Joan Dyden, and Frank Pearson. Uh, all were part of this. Uh, Joan Dyden. <clears throat> I apologize. Uh, up close and personal: The Panic in Needle Park and As It Happens. I don't know what any of those things. Yeah, no. Exactly. Uh, John Gregory Dunn, A Star Is Born, Up Close and Personal, and A Panic in Needle Park. So Panic in Needle Park was uh, early. Well, those, you know. Yeah, because those two are writing partners. Yeah. You can tell by the ampersand. Yes. Um, William A. Wellman, uh, based on a story by as William Wellman. He's the guy who wrote the original book. Back in like 1840-whatever. <laughs> I didn't get that far into it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, however far this fucking thing goes back, because like, it seems like people have been making this since the beginning of time. I know, right? So we find out that Shakespeare actually wrote this the first time. <laughs> and and he ripped it off from some cave painting. But uh, uncredited in, in the credits is uh, Barbara Streisand as a writer. Uh, Cast-wise... Barbara Streisand as Esther Hoffman Howard. If you do not know who that is, I have no help for you. Uh, Chris Christopherson as John Norman Howard. Uh, you, if you don't know him from Convoy, <laughs> <laughs> you may know him as the uh, guy who is helping out Blade in the Blade movies. Whistler, uh, Whistler yeah. I almost said Whisperer, and I knew that wasn't right. That's... That's what I kept expecting to say throughout the whole movie. Yeah. So uh, also, and he's also known as a country music uh, writer and singer. <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy the song "Me and Bobby McGee," thank Chris Christopherson. True story. Yep. Gary Busey in a very confusing role where he's trying to keep everybody in line and not going nuts. <laughs> right. And, and Robert England before he became job master. Ah, oh, dude, you're ruining my trivia. Oh, sorry. Damn it. Uh, Paul Mazursky is Brian Wexler. With the weirdest hair. Yeah, and hats, man. <laughs> yeah, he did have that alpine hat. That was kind of that was kind of very rock starish. Yeah. Um, Joanne Linville is Freddie Lowenstein. Oliver Clark is Gary Danziger. Marta Helfen is Quentin. Uh, Rita Coolidge is herself. Tony Orlando is himself, and M. G. Kelly is. DJ Baby Jesus. And then Uncle Rudy as Mo. Uh, a little bit of trivia in here. Rita Coolidge was actually married to Chris Christopherson while they were sh- shooting this. Ah, so she wasn't all alone. Nope. Oh, nice. Thank you. Oh, very thank nice. You. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, I don't know. I never understood... I don't understand Tony Orlando. Is he a singer? Is he an actor? What is he? He's a singer. Knock three times on the ceiling. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. Tie a yellow ribbon. Oh. He did it. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff in the 70s. Very campy, kitschy, but semi-serious. Yeah. Hmm. Like like Ricky Martin, kind of. Yeah, it turns out I love him. Yep. Yeah, Tony, Tony Orlando and Dawn. Yeah, Dawn yes. was his, his uh, single name for his two... Two female singing backup duo. What? I actually didn't know that they were two different. Yeah. Huh. All right. So, because <clears throat> uh, it wasn't dawn, it wasn't dawn the name. It was dawn like you know, dawn of the sun. So, 
Oh. Yep. All right, then. So some trivia. Chris Christopherson did not get along with the director. Okay, now you're going to see a theme here. (laughs) (laughs) This is the real-life prisoner. (laughs) Yes. According to Chris, Frank Pearson, himself a World War II veteran, looked down on Chris Christopherson for being in the Army but not going to war in Vietnam. Chris Christopherson later said, I was too drunk to give a shit. <laughs> he was method acting the entire shoot. Yeah, yeah that's another theme you're going to see. <laughs> Chris, Chris Christopherson, this is going to be tough, uh, said, Filming with Barbara Streisand is an experience which may have cured me of the movies. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then for the, for the triple play... Director Frank Pearson was so angered by his experience working with Barbara Streisand on this film that he wrote a first-person account published in both the New York and New West magazines detailing what a horrible experience it had been. (laughs) Pearson portrayed his star as an egocentric, manipulative, and controlling. The article was published just prior to the film's release in 76, and Streisand and Pearson, for some reason, have never worked together again. Huh. Go figure. I know, right? <clears throat> um, the rock concert footage. This is basically like like if Fleetwood Mac was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is so accurate. <laughs> if they decided to make a movie out of rumors. <laughs> it's like, we should make a movie about making this the album Rumors. I cannot think of a worse thing. Starring Rami Malek as Stevie Nicks. <laughs> Uh, that that might actually work you never know so the rock concert footage that was shot in the very beginning of the of the movie uh, was shot before a crowd of forty-seven thousand people at sun devil stadium in tempe arizona with barbara streisand and chris christopherson headlining including other acts such as peter frampton and santana also everything was booked by the concert promoter bill graham how much would you pay to see Streisand, Chris Christopherson, Peter Frampton, and Santana? That would be $3.50. Wow. Crazy, huh? Hmm. Inflation on that. I don't know. Look it up. What's three fifty dollars with inflation? Well, at, at least a dollar. All right, so the first Dolby system released with rear channel information was this movie, and making it the first true Dolby surround sound film. Wow. Oh, that's that's a nice pull. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. you know what? Honestly, I can't think of... I mean, there's maybe some better ones, but for the amount of music, great music in this uh, movie. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so the version of Evergreen during the recording studio scene is actually a live recording filmed in one single take. This was done at the insistence of Barbara Streisand. She hates doing lip sync work, and she wanted to be able to have close-ups during the scene, which obviously would expose any flaws in the lip syncing, and she wanted a more natural feel to that version, as evidenced by the kissing and laughing. Chris Christopherson, however, was very reluctant about singing live on screen and had to be talked into it. A more formal studio recording was used for the final credits and the soundtrack album. According to the U.S. inflation calculator, three dollars and fifty-three cents or three dollars and fifty cents equals fifteen dollars and fifty-five cents today. So still cheap ticket. Well, that's, that's, be- that's before Ticketmaster gets a hold of it. Yeah, that's right. true. 
But still, who would pay? F- I mean, Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson, 15 bucks. <laughs> Can you imagine Frampton and Santana? They're both like, wait a minute. I'm opening for them. <laughs> <laughs> and as Joel said before, Robert England, whose most popular role is Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, appears in an uncredited part as a bar patron who approaches John while watching Esther perform for the first time. I did not realize that was him. Oh, I recognized him instantly. I I recognized him, but I had to look it up. That was, yeah, prior to V and uh, St. Elsewhere, even. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, that's good on him, I ser- seriously. Yeah, I did not catch that at <clears throat> all. Wow. They almost gave a fist of cuffs. So, uh, is this a first viewing for any or all of us? Yeah, uh, for definitely me. for me. Me as well. Joel? Yep. All right, this is the first time all of us have seen this. Wow, this doesn't happen often. No, usually one of us has seen this. Never had any desire to see it until <laughs> the show. I really yeah. didn't either. I, I mean, I'd heard about it. Actually, one of I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. One of my best friends down here, his name is Chris with a K, and his mother named him after Chris Christopherson after seeing this movie. She was pregnant with him while she was watching it, and it's one of her favorite movies, and so she named her kid after it. Huh. Yeah. So I've always like, kind of <clears throat> been curious about it. I've known about it and all that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So. I mean, yeah, it's a classic. Watch me now. <laughs> Are this you a figment it. of my imagination? He's doing his Tom Waits meets uh, Neil Diamond. Pressure. <laughs> yeah, Tom Waits yeah, meets I mean, Neil Diamond uh, being... being uh, okay, opening, opening comment. Yeah, that song was not good, and it never would have made the top ten, and I never believed for a minute that that was like a hit song. Every time he sang it, it took me kind of out of the fantasy. Uh, what? Yeah, that song was not good. Oh, it was all right. No. I mean, he was supposed to be playing like a, a a washed up rock star that was living off of kind of like, you know, a throwback song that he just was tired of playing. But he did it because that's what's made money. No, I agree with that, and you know, and it, and that came off that way too. But I mean, yeah, I'm just saying the song itself is is not really a very strong song. No, and that's the thing that I did notice with this is that I remember Christopherson having so much better voice than the one that he used in this movie. I think he was intentionally trying yeah. to undersing. No, I I think I, 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 I agree with you. I really do think that he was deliberately trying to do his best Joe Cocker impersonation. And there might have been. Some, a lot of truth to the whole, you know, he was drunk most of the time. He might have actually just been drunk. Sure. <laughs> this sounds good. <clears throat> what <is it> now? Because, <laughs> oh. yeah, some of the songs literally sounded like they were directly written by Tom Waits. And then other ones, I was like, this is kind of like CCR meets, I don't know what. It's weird. And then when she sang and she's doing a totally different style. It's kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, so that's um, the first thing I will say in comparison to these two movies um, is the movie, the music in this movie is definitely not as good as the music in the second movie. For sure. And I, I think the pacing, it's like we don't need to hear two whole songs for every concert scene. Right. 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 Well, I, I, I had this in my show notes and I neglected to bring this up, but... 
I'm just going to toss it out there be- so we can get it out of the way. 70s pacing. For sure. Yeah. This is... I don't I don't necessarily think this movie suffered from it as much as some movies because no. it's not an action movie for one, so you don't really have like peaks and valleys. It's it's telling a story about, you know, it's mainly about love and, and the trappings of success, you know, and so you know, it, it is definitely there need there needs to be a lot of mood built. So I don't think this one suffers as much from the seventies pacing as like, you know, a lot of movies we've covered. I was I was ready for it to be a big difference between uh 76 and 2018 but then i looking at the times there's only a 15 minute difference in playtime between the original or this one and uh the 2018 one oh yeah it seemed like a week's difference to me doesn't it yeah but but i mean it really i mean i'm not saying it didn't have 70 spacing i'm just saying it didn't harm it as much as it did some other movies in my opinion no no like when we did the um the italian job yeah, or rollerball. Yeah, rollerball, especially. Oh, rollerball was bad with that. See, this one, I see. I think the worst portion of the of this that had the seventies pacing, and kind of like uh, that weird uh, two actors being shot on a very wide wide uh, picture where you can't really see their mouths, so they voice over everything. That's this, like when they when they were starting to build the um, pueblo in the middle yeah. of the field type of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I, you know what the thing is, I did enjoy it. It there there those portions of the movie weren't often enough and long enough to pull me out of it, and there was enough of it when things was actually happening, I got back into it. I mean. Despite all the behind-the-scenes problems, I mean, it didn't. Their chemistry was pretty strong on screen, and their story—I mean, their love story—it was—it was actually, it was pretty interesting as far as like you know, it had its its it had its peaks and valleys and everything, and it was just it was a. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think fundamentally this is a good story, and I think they did a good job of telling it. Hmm. Yeah, I I did not like this. I, I sat through it. <laughs> um, many of the songs, especially the Barbara songs, there were a couple of good ones, but there were a couple was just, especially, uh, at the end, her tribute to him song, when it gets to the like weird disco time <clears throat> change, <clears throat> Sarah and I looked at each other. We're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. It, it yeah. was supposed to be a transition from the song that she wrote to the songs that he wrote. You know that was that was a transition on that one, and I I do agree with you because that end scene was an eight and a half long eight and a half minute yeah. long song. I definitely agree with you that it was too long, but I think what I think what it, the director was trying to say was she's you know breaking free and gonna be all right and moving on past him, and she you know it's not gonna it's not gonna end her career, it's not gonna break. Yeah, her. but he could have said that in four minutes. Yeah, True. they turned. I'm definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely on your side. It was, it was, it was a bit much. Because so. I kept expecting them to like intercut scenes of them together or something, but then they just keep yeah, yeah, or show long, show long some long kind of you know picture montage in the background, something. But no, it's just in it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like I said, I think the music was definitely worse in this one. Um, it was my least favorite part of the whole thing. But you know how I've told you guys before, I, there's always like one song in every artist's catalog that I have on my iPod that 
even if I hate them, they always have like one song and and like Boy Wonder, Wonder We Love You, <laughs> or, or like you know Celine Dion, I hate her, but I do have one song of hers on my iPod, that kind of thing. I don't really care for Barbra Streisand, but I do have one song of hers, and it is Evergreen. I think that's a great song. That was I, you know, I was trying to be open minded because I'm not a Barbra Streisand fan, but that song I liked. The rest of it. Not so much. Yeah, yeah. The, the soundtrack is definitely the weakest part of this this whole thing. There, I really enjoyed their relationship, um, and I didn't really care much for uh, Chris Christopherson's uh, beard singing. <laughs> like, like, like the like the way he was singing is like I was, I was like I know he can sing better than this. That's so. what I just said. Is that he? Yeah. He, that's he why del- I think it had to have been a conscious choice because he can sing better than this. no. And and that that blew my mind is because I was like I love I mean Chris Christopherson I mean he's legendary in songwriting and singing, and I was expecting so much. And I think I agree. Joel had said it. I agree with him that he was deliberately channeling his. Who did you say, Joel? <laughs> Well, I was somewhere between like Tom Waits meets and Joe Cocker. Uh, Joe Cocker. I yeah. Don't know what. I think he was deliberately singing like that because he, this is a guy who was on the downturn of his career. He was burned out. You know? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I think, I think Chris Christopherson played the character of a burned out rock star amazingly well. And that's the one thing I'll really give this is I liked Christopherson a lot in a movie I otherwise had very little use for. Well, I mean, you look at the way he was playing the the, the character, like he was still king shit, like the thing with the motorcycle. I mean, he literally just walked off stage, a guy gave him a motorcycle, and he took it on stage and proceeded to run it off the edge. Just, just destroyed everything, yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a beautiful moment from an extra as everyone's walking away and they're like, this is the third time that's happened. Yeah. I don't know if you guys caught that, but that, no. that cracked me up. I missed that. Yeah. Right after he crashes the motorcycle, <laughs> he still thinks that he's the, you know, the, the star he once was. And, and they, they do a lot of little things to play that up. Like where the, uh, Jesus is on the helicopter, which what radio DJ has a rel- helicopter to try and get a story. But well, Every radio station has a helicopter. Yeah, and he I, starts shooting at it. You know. See, I like that. I actually did like that because it was like he's this end of his career, doesn't give a shit. I mean, think of Elvis shooting his TV type of thing. Uh, and it's like he wants to be invisible, and by the end of the movie, you know, well before you know the tragic ending, he pretty much is. And, and he's suddenly he's like, wait a minute, I don't like this. <laughs> and I have to say that since you brought him up, uh, Baby Jesus, he is such a fucking scumbag. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and after he after um after he uh, dies, uh, Chris Chris Crofton's character Spoilers. dies. Yep. Yeah, okay, oh, for right. a movie in '76. <laughs> okay, so after after uh, John Norman dies, uh, did do you hear the voiceover where uh, Baby Jesus yep. like I loved him like a brother? Yep. Like, yeah, dude, shut up! Everybody <laughs> knows you're lying. You. Yeah, I'm never gonna mention his name again. You know, blah blah. But that summarized the whole premise of the film almost with that character was that was, you know being a star is fleeting and uh you know what is fame well uh, not even not even i don't think it was even the um the character i think it was the i i hate to be trite and say industry 
But that that he was representative of the industry for sure. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, he because um, the, the movie is damning <clears throat> of the music industry as a whole, like all the people that you have to have around you or that or that make themselves, you know, invaluable even though they aren't. You know, that kind of you know, just a lot of leeches in the music industry. Yeah, and uh, something else that I noticed when they have the Grammy Awards, there's like what maybe 500 people there. There's a big difference. Yeah, it definitely looked like it was being held in the back of an American Legion. <laughs> <laughs> no, that might have just been budgetary constraints you for the movie. Go get some more of that pot roast. It's on point. <laughs> I don't know why Hell was there, but he was. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Taking a break from Star Crash. Check out the brand. That's a hell of a pot roast, Princess. Jesus, stop. Uh, I mean. Oh, we we already gave away the ending, um, which I don't know if we're if we're assuming that people who are listening to the show have seen both of the films. So I think we're gonna have to. We're gonna have yeah, to. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think anybody is gonna listen to the Star Is Born show without having listened or seen the 2018. Yeah. Version. If you haven't, if 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 you have not seen the 2018 Star Is Born, pause at the break, go watch it, and then come back. Yeah, because yeah, we're going to spoil the crap out of it. In fact, I'm going to spoil the crap out of it now. It's important. So this is what we're talking about anyway. Lady well, Gaga has a big nose. <laughs> There's your spoiler. <laughs> well, th- the one thing that I wanted to talk about is this is the only one of all of the incarnations of this uh, version of the story where the ending is not explicitly suicide. It's not unambiguously suicide. You mean the Chris Christopherson one? Yes. Yes. Where it's possible. You can read it either way that it was a suicide or that it was a tragic accident. Yeah. They don't, they don't explain it. Enough. It was pretty clear going 160 miles an hour on that road. It was, there was definitely suicidal intentions, whether he was like thinking it was going to happen or not is caring, not caring whether it happens and trying to do it are different not really but they are right and, yeah. and that's the thing is it's explicit in all of the other three versions of a star is born that uh, the male lead kills himself correct see mm-hmm. i felt more like it was an unintentional thing in this version anyway uh, uh yeah he was going too fast and yes he was and on his way to the the airport but i didn't feel like he to kill himself but just that he was irresponsible and i think I, do, I think that does influence the movie as a whole like i mean if if it's not you know a suicide so i you know i don't like that, it, that it's a little less you know a little more ambiguous i don't like that i hmm. I, th- I thought i'd summarize his character though because this particular character wasn't as uh yes he was depressed and yes he was kind of upset at the fact that he wasn't who he was anymore and he realized that but i never felt never got the impression with the way the character was played that he was at that point where he was going to give up so you're saying he wasn't suicidal he just was reckless and had a had yeah. a death death wish i felt like but, he just didn't care anymore but he wasn't going to take his own life because that's you know he's he still thinks he's the hey. shit I get that, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I, I felt like the other, the, at least in the more modern one, it was kind of the opposite of that, where his ego was so deflated that he didn't feel like he had any other way to go. But 
And this and one, he, and he felt like the be, you know the best out, the best way to help her was to get out. Yeah, all right, we'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. And and the other <laughs> thing, I'm going to talk. Okay, I'm sorry, Joel. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just about the car. Okay. I I kind of kind of have a thing for these old classic cars, and I did actually look some stuff up. So the car that he was driving was a Ferrari <laughs> Daytona. Uh, they stopped making them in uh, 1973. Oops. Tops out at does at 280 kilometers an hour, 174 so miles an hour. Yeah. Um, zero to 60 in five seconds. Jeez. So. Which is what he did as soon as he hit the pavement. Right. Kind of like him doing cocaine. <laughs> it's such a pretty car. I. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what car they wrecked for that scene because there's no way they destroyed that car. Gary Busey. He was, <laughs> he was playing the car. Wait a second. Gary Busey was a car all along. <laughs> My Busey the car. <laughs> My Gary Busey the car. <laughs> I'd watch that. Well, that just killed it. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey. So are we? I mean. Are we really already done talking about this? Is it? I mean, kind of after we were done watching it, Sarah and I were like, well, that's a thing we watched. Let us never speak of it again. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't ever see myself watching it again, but I, I, I enjoyed parts of it. Yeah, I'm far from hating it. Uh, I'm glad I finally watched it. I, I'm not as far as you are from hating it. Yeah, I know. I can I tell. have more to say about the new one, I think, but for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think... Um, it, it's one of those movies that you kind of, if you are a cinemaphile, you just kind of have to watch. I think if they came out with a different cut of it now, like they cut out some of the scenes, like, you know, him going nuts on the motorcycle around the the corral, things <laughs> like that, that are just com- completely unnecessary. I do have to say that this guy is, pro- is pretty damn resilient. If he could drive a motorcycle off the stage and get that many... Um, Stats yeah. dumped right. on him. <laughs> that was a lot of speakers dropping on that poor dude. Well, you know, the, the drunk people fall well. That's true. <laughs> and thank goodness for that. I know I was going to say. <laughs> and we would not be here if it were not for that fact. All right. Yeah, I mean, so. it's, it's looked at as kind of a classic, so it's one of those things that at some point we needed to talk I mean, it, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a little ham-fisted in its whole, like you know, celebrity trappings and you know the fame of you know and and beating you over the head with the, the how, you know how people act around celebrity and all that kind of stuff. And it was a little ham-fisted and this and that. But overall, I thought the story between the two of them was you know interesting and genuine. I thought their relationship was fun to watch. And I mean, I you know, the the music wasn't great, and it wasn't like you know that I'm ever I'm never gonna watch it again, like Joel said, you know, but. I'm glad I watched it. It was a little unbelievable, though, because, I mean, Barbara Streisand is pretty. Uh, hey, you know what? Attractive. I I won't yeah. say she's unattractive, but... I will. She has a nice body, but I don't know. I don't think she's unattractive. She's, I mean, Sarah Jessica parker sort of. You mean they're both Jewish? Is that what you're saying? Racist? <laughs> that didn't even cross my mind. Oh, no, of course not. Now it doesn't. Racist. Uh, you want to build a wall around Barbara Streisand? No, they both have kind of. <laughs> you mean burner. like the cask of Amontillado? Because yes. Yeah. 
wow, uh, that took a weird turn, and now I need a break. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's going to wrap up the first half. Watch me now. <laughs> Usually that's my job, but... I'll just leave that alone. I'm going to walk away. I don't oh. know what the hell happened. All right, well... We will be back in just a little bit. We are going to uh, take a little break and then come back and talk about the 2018 Rocket Raccoon and uh, Lady Gaga version of A Star is Born. Cock bacon. All right, we are back. And we are going to talk about A Star is Born 2018, which should be pretty interesting compared to what we just said. Yeah, I, I'm sort of curious as where we're all going to fall on this one. This, I, I, I am too. I think there's going to be a spread, but I'm on the other side. I would actually hedge a bet on, I don't want to say all of us liking it, but... I, I don't think we're all gonna like it, but I don't. I, this is one where I don't think we're going to necessarily agree. Right. So, uh, 2018, Star is Born. A seasoned musician, Jackson Maine, played by Bradley Cooper, discovers and falls in love with a struggling artist, Allie, played by Lady Gaga. She has just about given up on her dream to make it big as a singer until Jack coaxes her into the spotlight. But even as Allie's career takes off, the personal side of their relationship is breaking down as Jack fights an ongoing battle with his own internal demons. And that is an IMDb one written by someone named Warner Brothers. I don't think that's his real name. Was Warner Brother. That was the what best one on there. Warner Bros. I think he's German. It's Ver, <laughs> Werner Bros. That's your explanation for everything. It must be a German racist. Exactly. Uh, so this is directed by Bradley Cooper, who, uh, if you do not know, is known for such things as Silver Linings Playbook, American Sniper, American Hustle, and playing the voice of Rocket Raccoon. A uh, writing credit, and he was in another show we did. What? Oh yeah, for the A team. Yeah, he that was face in the A team early on. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Uh, written by Eric Roth and Bradley Cooper and Will Fetters. Eric Roth, you may know him from such movies as The Insider, Forrest Gump, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So he got some good uh, backup writing on that one. Will Fetters himself. Uh, Remember me, the lucky one, and best of me. It's curious right. that the original writers didn't get any credit in this. Uh, they did. I just didn't put them in there because I didn't feel like reading their names over again. Gotcha. Right on. All right. So uh, credits cast: Lady Gaga playing Allie. Lady Gaga, you may know her from everything. <laughs> <clears throat> Pretty much. Bradley Cooper as Jack. Sam Elliott as Bobby. Andrew Dice Clay, who I did not rec recognize. There was a moment when I first out. recognized him. I was like, holy shit. And Sarah's like, what? I was like, that's Andrew Dice Clay. Uh-huh. And his really low-hanging right or left eye. Okay. Hey, dude, he's still working. Good on him. Uh, Rafi G Gavron as Rez. 
<laughs> Somebody watching Sorry. Looney Tunes? Sorry. No, I did not expect for Reddit to make a noise when I opened it up. I apologize. Oh. I, got, I got a random notification from Reddit and I wanted to clear it out and suddenly, you know, it was a nineteen twenties cartoon coming out. Yeah, that was a fucking mariachi oh, band. Um <laughs> My apologies. No, let us continue. Uh Ravi Gavron. As uh, Rez Gavron, <laughs> who's from uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, The Cold Light of Day, and Inkheart, which I think honestly is a very. Uh, I, I, I liked Inkheart either way. But um, Anthony Ramos as the scumbag Ramon, if I'm not tipping my hand on what I think about this guy, uh, from Younger Honest Thief and the upcoming Godzilla King of the Monsters. And Dave Chappelle as George Noodlestone. Strangely enough, as a guy who has settled down with a wife and children. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys uh, would have any reason to recognize her, but the person who plays his wife was actually uh, De Niro's daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. No, yeah, I have. She was in some movie he did. She played the hostess of the restaurant. I can't remember when he owned the jazz cafe. Hmm. Heist, I think it was. I think you're right. I have no reason to to know that, but that's awesome. Now you do. So, trivia. By Josh. Right? Right. I forgot we were doing that. I'm I'm all like, who's taking over? (laughs) All right. I almost said Chris Christopherson did not get along with the director. <laughs> uh, Bradley Cooper said that Lady Gaga was the one who convinced him that they should sing live. Gaga said she hated watching movies where the actors were not lip syncing correctly to the songs, and to avoid this and get it right, they needed to sing live for the film. This is what caused Cooper to get more extensive vocal training. Yes. What I find really interesting about this casting, because Cooper's approach to making this film, he personalized it a lot to both his life and hers. One of the reasons why uh, they, f- the first time Jackson Maine encounters Allie is in a drag bar is that's a parallel directly to the start of Gaga's own career. Like that's basically what she was doing as she was discovered. And the one of the biggest challenges holding her back from fame was uh, insecurity about what promoter said about how she looked. So, like, they really did, like, a deep dive into their own, like, how can we take our own life experience and translate it into this story that's already been made three times? I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. I did not know that. I didn't Um, either. Also, uh, for his role as Jackson Maine, Bradley Cooper was taught to play guitar by Lucas Nelson, son of Willie Nelson. The pair hung out in Cooper's basement almost every night for a year so that Cooper could learn how to perform and present himself like a musician. Cooper's backed by Lucas Nelson and promise of the real for his stage performances. Veteran dialect coach Tim Monick worked for several months with Cooper to help him better flesh out his vocal singing range. Now, I put that in there because from what I understood in reading about this movie is that Bradley Cooper is like, I got to learn how to play guitar. I got to learn how to rock out. And he focused for three years uh, before this movie to try and get his musical talent up to the point where he could actually play the music on stage as he did in the movie. 
Not only that, but he wanted Sam Elliott for Bobby so badly that before he'd signed Sam Elliott, he spent eight months learning how to talk like him in order Mm -hmm. to play a character who had emulated his older brother his whole life. Yeah. Taught himself to speak deeper. Yeah. And uh, Sam Elliott was so impressed by his commitment to learning how to talk like him, he took the role. Yeah. And Uh, Sam Elliott was amazing as Sam Elliott. Yeah, I mean, Bob, the character of Bobby in this is just so far above and beyond what we saw from Busey. Uh, the other thing I thought was cool is that most of the concert footage was shot at actual concerts, mm-hmm. uh, including a set at Coachella. Uh, one of the concerts, uh, they were allowed to go on stage, but they were told by the promoters, uh, you got to get someone to give up some of their time. One of the people at that concert performing was Chris Christofferson who surrendered his time for them. Oh, that's ah. awesome. That's cool. Yeah. That's so that they weren't, they, weren't allowed, they weren't allowed to have any live mics while they were up on stage either. Really? Yep. Live what? Live microphones. I did not huh. know that. Huh. Yeah, that's what my, I, I watched this movie with Chris, funny enough, you know. Christofferson? <laughs> no, my buddy what? Chris. <laughs> named after Chris Christofferson. The namesake, you know, but, um, and he, you know, he's literally no joke has seen this movie. This, it, it was his dozenth. I was, I was with him when he watched it his 12th time. The, I'm sorry. Were you going to say dozenth? Dozenth. Did. And it did not come out. So I had stopped. I did a porky pig and I just changed the word. Fourth, fifth, Thorth. sixth, seventh, dozenth. But yeah, they, they wouldn't let him use live mics. <laughs> so only wow. dead mics. Uh, at which concert? The Coachella one. Oh, the Coachella one. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did also see in the trivia that there were a couple times where, while Lady Gaga was on stage, they went out front and uh, recorded, but got the crowd to start chanting "Alley." So some oh. some of the shots were that were actually from I don't know if it was Coachella or another one for concerts, but they like told everybody like, "This is what we're doing. We want you to chant this word." And it'll be in the movie type of thing. So and people love being in a movie. So yeah, I'm in a movie. I'm one of twenty five thousand people. See that dot right there? That's me. I was the one in Alley. Oh, that was you. So is I this? Was, I was screaming like Alley, like a back alley, not like the name Alley. They didn't oh, Alley, take out the I, trash. <laughs> I thought one of them sounded weird. <laughs> so first viewing for any of us? Yes. Oh, for sure. Totally. Patrick. Patrick. What? Was it your first? Uh, Yes. First time you saw this. Oh, no. no, Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) This movie has a weird thing going on with people watching it multiple times. Because when Pat said that there was a coworker of mine that uh, was talking about this movie when it was in the theaters. And I think she said she saw it five or six times in the theater. What? This movie has become a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Yes. And I was definitely hyped like a lot, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do this show since it was apparently my idea. (laughs) (laughs) You brought us here. Um, Yeah. First time I've seen this, I watch it now. Yeah. Much better. I think honestly, the character of Jack was much more charismatic than Chris Christopherson's character. 
I would say that. I mean, he's he's in a different place too. Like he's not at, his popularity is not waning. He's at the end of his career because he's got a medical condition that he's hiding from everyone but his brother. True. But he's still he's still selling records at this point. Initially, when the sh- when it starts. Yeah, and that's the point. Is yeah, most incarnations of the character, his career is over because he's on the skids, and he's just starting to lose it because he's coping with what every singer knows is an affliction that just it ends your career. Right. And he, yeah, he's definitely on the downslide of his career, but he's he's not at the bottom for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought with the whole tinnitus and the whole uh, hearing thing, I thought it was kind of funny because. I was. We were watching this show the same week that Dick Dale died. Oh, who was known for? I think um, our friend, our communal friend Dennis, actually worked at a bar where Dick Dale played at, and he, they could not turn up the monitor speakers loud enough for him because he was he is so deaf, but he could still crank it out. But uh, yeah, so. Um, <clears throat> Big differences that you notice between 76 and now. It was enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I said earlier, you know, the music is better. I mean, Bradley Cooper does a great job in his songs. The songs themselves are better. And for not being a fan of Lady Gaga, I'm not a fan of the persona of Lady Gaga, the whole, you know, manufactured that she had to do to become famous but i know she herself has talent and it, it was a little i mean it's a little bit annoying it was a little bit of the ready player one thing of like oh i'm so hideous there's no way i could make it it was like you're not hideous you're still an attractive person you know that that character in ready player one's oh i have a horrible you know skin yeah. discoloration on my face i need to hide hide from society yeah you've got a wine yeah. spot so do you yeah, and other exactly. thousands of people it, yeah it's like you're, you're still a very attractive woman you know like lady gaga is not unattractive this whole thing she has a big nose big deal you well know, and other- that's the thing is if you're unknown if you're not lady gaga yet i could see producers saying you know you're not going to make it because you need a nose job yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, you're you're not going to tell me that you know it precludes you from ever being a star. There's plenty of ugly people in rock, and and, and there's plenty of ugly people in Hollywood. If you got the goods, you're gonna you know, I mean, you're gonna have a much better shot regardless of what you look like. People make a career out of that. Yeah, and I'm not saying it doesn't factor in, but I'm, I'm it doesn't just you know shut and lock all the doors. Right. Well, that's the thing is I, I, that particular issue is something that was true to her own life. So I, I don't know that saying it was unrealistic. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I'm just saying playing, you know, I'm, I, I hate when, when, when movies try to play up, you know, Oh, this is an unattractive person when clear, clearly they're not. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. You know who I did like in this movie is to like, go to the DMV. If you want to see real unattractive people. There are a lot of. I mean, I ride commuter <laughs> trains. I go all the time. <laughs> Josh is like, I am king here. <laughs> I'm like Charles Atlas. Um, what the hell is the saying? <laughs> the dad and his friends. I think I I combine them as one big group. I love those guys. Yeah, it was like father by committee. Mm-hmm. 
I, and I love what, the whole. What's the deal that they were all limo drivers? Is that that and that was his the house they hung out at? Is that pretty much? Yeah, they all. They, yeah, apparently they all hung out at the dad's house after their shifts or before their shifts. Type yeah, because I was about, trying to figure out if they were roommates or just hanging out. Yeah, they were just hanging out, and I, and that was the thing I liked about uh uh um Bradley Cooper's character. He's like, hey, is your uh is your dad like a uh. A maharaja, or what, what did he say? Is he like a, a like <laughs> a, a sheik, a sheik yeah. or something? What's with all the co- and he, uh, the character of Jack was so I I almost want to say innocent. I mean, like he only knows playing on stage. He does not know anything past that. And when he meets Allie, there's this whole world that he almost is not ever privy to. Well, I mean, and he's he's just completely free of pretension, but surrounded by people that are just trying to get everything he has. And he's like, I don't care about the trappings. I just want to play music. And all these other people are like, well, we'll take all the trappings, you know, right. and just leave you yeah. with nothing, you know. Well, and that's kind of what like fucks him up with Allie is because he's trying to tell her that uh, what oh, the way you're disappointing me is what you're doing to become successful. You're not saying anything, mm-hmm. but I'm coming from a place of privilege where I've already made it and you haven't, and your career is on the upswing and mine's on the down. So I kind of feel like a shithead for even saying anything. And like the first time he's so drunk that he just lets it all out. The bathtub like, scene. Yeah. He hurts. He hurts her real bad. Yeah. And, and, and then he can't say anything at all anymore. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, he's, you can see that he wants to tell her, look, you're, you're changing yourself. You're doing this for people that don't care about you, but he can't, he can't, he can't speak it. You know, have you guys, but, um, a quick aside, have you guys ever seen by chance the interview that uh, Billy Corgan did with Joe Rogan on Joe Rogan's podcast? No. Where Joe, where oh. uh, Billy Corgan starts going really deep into what the music industry is like and about how, you know, he's because he, he was like, when we were at the top of our game, they couldn't have given a shit. <laughs> he's, he's like, they just, you know, they didn't nurture us. They didn't give us anything. He's like, literally all they wanted to do was just make money off of us. And, you know, he's like, I couldn't understand why they didn't see us and want to like you know make more money off of us and do whatever they, they just were like yeah you're just another product we'll squeeze you and move you along and we'll go to the next one that's the music industry i'm so glad i don't have any talent <laughs> <laughs> but that's why all these guys who make it in music the majority of them always end up starting their own label because they're like Fuck these big labels, you know. We're gonna like try mm-hmm. to take care of the musicians in them because I mean, all the major, you know, it, you're just a product of them. Yeah, like uh, Death Row. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to pull that one out there, but, but, but the, yeah, because that, that's that's uh, and it's almost like we we talked about in the Prisoner episode. At so at a certain point, your label becomes big enough that you become that person. Mm-hmm. You know, you start you start using up your artists and you get cynical and you start squeezing. You know, you become the thing you hate. Which is what was happening to her throughout the course of the film. Exactly. Is what started out with these beautiful songs with them together that made them everybody want to hear them. All of a sudden she's it's more about the dance moves and selling yeah, out. Yeah. I think I think that was the point in the in the movie where I was like she's I don't say she's lost, but she has gone awry of what she started from is when she hit um Saturday Night Life. 
Yeah, and that was a little bit ham-fisted. It reminded me of the you know the the, the style they used in the first you know the '76 version we watched because we we immediately go from him telling her you know be true to yourself you know stay true to the music immediately jump cut to SNL and she's doing a booty dance song. And I'm like, I'm like, well, that couldn't have been a little more obvious. Yeah. Well, and the lyrics were a little bit on the nose. Like, yeah, yeah. It was. Like, I think the lyrics were literally like this. I don't recognize you or this isn't you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I forgot to say in the trivia that wasn't in the trivia is that was actually SNL. Oh, uh, that was actually on a Saturday night. They had the real SNL director. It was the real SNL control room. And like the rock was waiting upstairs to start his monologue. They did it like a half hour before showtime. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. I it, assume- look, it looked real. I mean, I, I was kind of impressed with it. I was- so, yeah. I definitely like the music better all the way around. Yeah, I I just I like the characters. Like I actually cared what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And I thought their relationship, to me anyway, felt a lot more uh, genuine. And and one of the things that I really appreciated about this that they they ended, I was hoping they weren't going to do in the in the first one, but they eventually did, was that he legitimately loved her, mm-hmm. and she did too. And I think even up to the end, she did. But even though he messed up and he you know couldn't escape all the the downfalls that kept coming in his way he still remained true to her he still loved her he never cheated on her you know he, he would have had those opportunities but he didn't whereas in the first one chris christopherson sleeps with the reporter person just on a whim and i felt like it was a lot better love story because of the fact that even though ultimately he did what he did I, he still once he found her and fell in love, that was it. That's all he wanted. That was something that kind of pissed me off about the first one, where she comes home and finds him in bed with the reporter, and he's like, yeah, I'm doing this for you. You know, it was like that was that was the attitude that he had for that one. I'm glad they didn't transfer that over to this one. And and that, again, like I'm saying, if, if they reshot you know, or, or recut it, they would probably cut that scene out, because it didn't really add anything. She forgave him immediately, you know. It- <laughs> <laughs> it soiled their their love affair though, because yeah, think- exactly. So it, it it detracted. It didn't add anything. So I think a director nowadays would would just cut that scene. Well, but then sure. you have that whole artistic "I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you." I I mean, that- well, you could put that in from from any fight. You could tag that at the end of their bathroom scene. Well, you know? I mean, that's the thing is like that's that seventies type feel of things where they have that in there. And I was like, that added absolutely nothing. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could have, a, I mean, people in relationships will say stupid stuff in the heat of an argument and then have to backtrack. It doesn't mean that they don't love each other. It just means that they're human. Fuck you, Joel. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it felt, it was a lot more romantic and I could see why people like the movie better because he could be that leading man that they could say, oh, you know. Well, every woman wants to have Bradley Be- or Bradley Beal. Bra- <laughs> Bradley, Beal. Bra- Bradley Beal plays Bradley in the NBA. Beal. Sorry, <laughs> but you know, that every woman played. wants Bradley Cooper to fall in love with him. So yeah, they can definitely relate to that. And the fact that he was a good guy ultimately, yeah, um, you know, was what it all came down to. And and I just want to say, Dave Chappelle, kudos. You you just made that movie that much better for me honestly yeah he, he, his role and his performance was really good yeah. i everything i see dave Chappelle in, i'd love him more i think well, and they're actually close friends 
That oh, was really? another like Bradley Cooper just totally customized. He takes this thing that has been remade almost more than anything we've ever talked about and just completely made it his own, customized it to his own and his co-star's life so completely that I, I really think that he's got a great future. Uh, Red, as a Bradley Beal is a tre- damn it. Bradley Cooper is a treasure. Well, he, Bradley Bradley Beal's kind of cool too. I like him, but Bradley Cooper's a treasure. Bradley Beal's. He, I keep, I, he plays in the NBA, and I keep saying his name by accident for some reason. He, he could have been written off as a pretty boy that was a one-note talent, but he's continually kind of trying to push the boundaries and try new things, and I think that's that's good for him. I mean, that gives him yeah. a And when he said that he, wa- and he wanted he, to do this because the rights became available, a lot of people said, are you sure you want to do this as your first film? Maybe try something indie the way an actor turned director would typically launch a first film. And he was like, no, this is this is what I want to do. And respect could, to him on been, that. I was, was going to say, he, it, it could have been worse. He could have been like Josh Hartnett, you know, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, look what happened. I mean, just uh, not that we necessarily hold a lot of stock in the Academy, but the fact that he got that that recognition and everything on his first time out, I mean, that's... that's the, the Academy has its weaknesses, but it doesn't mean it's nothing. It's definitely oh. an accomplishment to win an Oscar. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Definitely. Speaking of the Academy, like uh, Shallow, that one best song, when they first did their duet of Shallow, I literally had goosebumps. They are amazing together. That I think this whole the whole experience of them producing the show and creating the show together. Um, they have great chemistry. They do. Sure. They really do. Now we should probably talk about the the ending. We teased it in the first half. Did we? Yep. Well, we talked about the suicide, and uh, I was. <clears throat> Very impressed with how they built it up and twisted the knife. And I actually felt the sense of dread from just about the moment they got together. It's like the way these two people are and the way they're interacting, this is going to be bad. And when it goes bad, it's going to tear my heart out. Well, there was a feeling all the way to the end. There was a complete. I mean. I hate to say ham-fisted one, especially because this is the version of the movie that I liked more. But when he first says, hey, turn right down this street, when he winds up at the uh, drag bar, the the multi, uh, the rainbow-backed nooses that that are showing up in the window across from him are like a complete predictor of what's going to happen at the end uh, i didn't see that bit of foreshadowing yeah i didn't miss it i, I did, didn't miss it i missed it too really yeah, from the dog waiting for him outside the garage though to like the second he reaches for his belt and takes his hat off oh yep. man yep, when he puts sure. his hat down on the on the thing they were like oh shit yeah you and i knew from the moment she left mm-hmm what was going to be on his mind. And when I saw him stop in the car and think about what, uh, I think it was Gaz, Daz, Ramon. Yeah. Rez. No, Rez. Yeah. Rez said to him, I I knew what he was going to do and props to the way they did it. They didn't back off on the horror and they didn't cheapen the horror by showing us his body swinging. Mm -hmm. Right. For sure. Yeah. It would, it would have been, it would have been worsened. Definitely. Honest God, Rez, the Rez Gavron, that character, after that, I, I did not like him. 
I thought he was skeezy through the whole time that he was with him, but at that point where he had the conversation with him, I was like, this guy is a scumbag. This is the reason he dies. Well, and Sarah and I talked about this because I I think he is definitely the catalyst for it happening that night. I think that that was going to happen. You can't like take the person who pulls the trigger on somebody's depression and say, all of a sudden the person that kills themselves is not responsible for what they do to themselves and their loved ones. And Mm. I mean, just, I mean, truth itself, you know, doesn't have good or bad virtues. I mean, what he told him was not a lie. It was not, you know, he was not incorrect. So eventually he'd be drinking again. And the next time he might have permanently fucked her career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was not incorrect. I mean, but it, do, it, it doesn't put I, I just I don't think, you know, I don't think calling somebody out on their bullshit makes you responsible for them for what they do with that information. But right. it was the timing of it, it was the way he said it. And the fact that he didn't necessarily know that that his character, you know, Bradley Cooper's character was already at that point where he was so far down that all it took was, you know, a couple of sentences to drive him over the edge. But it, it was unnecessary. <clears throat> I mean, he was just trying to, I think, further put a wedge between him so he could yeah. keep managing her career. Because in his mind, you know, it was a dead weight. And he's not wrong. Like you said, Patrick, I don't. He, and I, I have. Mistakes. Well, I have to say also from after that conversation, Bradley Cooper playing Jack, knowing this, he he pulled it off so well. Like when they're laying on the bed and Allie's telling literally. I mean, the retroactive thing of where she's like, the last thing I said to him was a lie. Yeah. And and Jack and her on the bed, and he knows that she is lying to him about why they're stopping the tour. And but he, at that, I think it's at that point where he's on the bed where she's like, I, I'm stopping the tour because I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. And it's a lie to him, and he realizes what a detriment he is to her career and the decision was made laying on that bed. It wasn't in the truck. It was on that bed where he decided that him being connected to her would drag her down for the rest of her life. Uh, A question I have for you guys that uh, I couldn't come up with a satisfactory answer to. Do you think she ever knew that uh, he was going deaf through tinnitus? Did she know? Yeah, because he oh, there's no scene where it ever comes up. No, but I do like the way that they played it when he when the uh, sound, the soundtrack itself would suddenly give you tinnitus through it. But I do not think that she knew through the entire thing. I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't remember any specific line or or sequence where she made it obvious that she was aware of it or she was concerned about it I, or anything. I think just standard movie storytelling wise, if she knew, we would have known she knew. And mm-hmm. that that's kind of my take on it, too. And it's interesting that she doesn't know and they don't make a big deal out of it. So it's sort of ambiguous. So I thought it was worth bringing up. I think that's more of a thing between Jack and Bobby than it is Jack and Allie. Yeah, because we know Bobby knows and we know the guy at rehab knows. And then there's his doctor, which incidentally was Bradley Cooper's real doctor, not an actor. What? That's- yeah, that's crazy. 
It's another fun bit of trivia there. Yeah, a guy, I didn't have them all organized in my head to talk about it during trivia, but like after I watched this movie, I spent like two hours on the internet going on a deep dive like about the making of, because I, I thought it was really well put together, especially for someone who is an actor primarily. Well, before we wrap up, I think one other thing we need to talk about is the last song, because the way that he did it was the way it should have been done in the original. Agreed. Because you you take this this full orchestrated, you know, well-produced song, and then you slowly, it turns into just the two of them singing it together was just, I, I thought it was a, a nice little way to, to, to end the film, per, personally. Overall, I thought it was uh, really well done. Yeah, I'm not huge into like love story type movies. It's not the first thing I reach for, but uh, this was one that I was excited because it's for one, it's one of the few things that we watch for this podcast that Sarah was anxious to watch with me, yeah. like excited for, <laughs> and uh, like all the way through it, like we both uh, were just like we had high expectations and they were met or exceeded. I'm well, uh, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Uh, well, first of all, you know, anything with Good death life. in it, anything with death in it is, you know, is an easy target trigger for me. But um, I, I actually teared up a couple times watching this movie because it was very it was really emotional. I, I, I didn't really want to watch it because I didn't really care. It was just one of those things where, like, I was like, whatever. I like Bradley Cooper. I know this story. I'm. <laughs> I just have this image of you like, well, I love death, but I hate Lady Gaga, so I don't know why. <laughs> <I'm animators. laughs> I'm you know, so like, mixed. Yeah, so, so you know, the whole thing of of, of you know, being with Lady Gaga and everything. Like I've said many times, like I I don't like Lady Gaga. I don't like the whole persona. I don't like that whole rigmarole circus bullshit. You know, it's like that's not who she is. But I know she has talent, as I've said before. And it was, I mean. I'll be honest with you. I was very impressed. I mean, she did a great job in the acting. She did a great job in the singing. Um, her whole, her, the entire performance. Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie, and I look forward. To, I'm probably going to watch it again. I, I might. I'm probably going to buy it. To be honest with you. Yeah, this is definitely one that I'll probably wait until I don't have to pay six bucks to rent it through Comcast again. But I'll be watching it again. Yeah, I was. I was really impressed with this movie. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it, I didn't care for Bradley Cooper's. Uh, his talking voice. Well, but other than that, but that's just such a that, that's you know that's a nitpick. I mean, really. yeah. Well, I mean, you got to look at it also because that character was trying to emulate Bobby. Yeah, and that I mean the whole oh another thing by the way that um that Chris told me that I didn't know about this movie. Speaking of trivia, that scene where Bradley Cooper says to Sam Elliott, you know, the whole time, you know, you were the one I was trying, you know, I was trying to imitate, not Dad. Uh huh. That was all improv. What? It oh, was a gorgeous scene. That dude. was yeah. an amazing scene. I mean, Bradley Cooper, you know, he didn't tell Sam Elliott he was going to say that. He just had to, it kind of had to spur the moment. He decided, you know, this is something my character needs to understand and realize and say. I I think I, we're going to see so much more from Bradley Cooper in the next 10 years. And, I, and I, you know, I, kudos to Sam Elliott to, for, for keeping it together while he's driving off. You know? Oh, I know. When he, had, when he had the red eyes and he was tearing up. I look forward to 15 years from now where like all the best movies are made by Bradley Cooper and Jordan Peele. Yes. <laughs> They're the only two directors left. 
Yeah, the I only mean, two anybody wants <laughs> to talk and, about. And then the king of the indies is still Zach Braff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Tarantino's just finishing his 10th film. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I... First off, Sam Elliott was amazing. This Bradley Cooper, I did not realize what an amazing director creator he was. Lady Gaga, I think, did not meet the plateau that uh, Bradley Cooper and Sam Elliott made in this movie, but she still definitely did better than I expected her to. I I'm probably and okay we okay Josh you who who said they were cheering up Pat yeah me okay we <laughs> I mean you put put death in anything and it's easy to get me to cheer yeah up, so. oh yeah pretty much but we were watching this I I watched a qu- a third of it on the train on the way home um Suzanne my wife picked me up uh, uh from the train station I'm like you know what we got to watch this tonight and we put it on in the last five minutes of the movie. Just bawling her eyes out. <laughs> it was just one of those like this when 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 Lady Gaga when Allie was singing that final song, which was five and a half minutes better than the Barbara Streisand version. Because yes, I know you loved your husband. You don't have to sing all night about him. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> We've all heard enough about him. He's yeah. dead. Move on. Okay. Okay. We're past three minutes. Three and a half he's, minutes now. Four minutes. Okay. He's been dead for four days. Move You've been on. singing for ten minutes. You get three minutes tops. Yeah. Move on. Morning and moving. <laughs> and, and we're morning. We're morning. <laughs> and we're done. That's why I tell her. I was like, look, me, Viking funeral. Set my boat on fire. Push me out on the lake. I'm fine. Don't warn me. <laughs> you're, you're not going to be offended by it. You're dead. Yeah, exactly. Man for Jen. Jeez. What? You're going to have a Viking funeral in the pond in front of the Capitol? No, we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna go old school. We're going to... We're gonna put you on a hospital gurney and send you into the ER on fire. Like, <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Stop putting my death. We're gonna sing the Barbara Streisand song. We're gonna cut it to three minutes. Like, all the nurses are gonna come out boogie and do the gurney's on fire, and I'm like, I'm not dead. <laughs> Shut up, Don Joe. <laughs> right. I forgot what point I was gonna make. So are we ready for a thumbs up, thumbs down? All right. It seems yes. obvious, but we may as well. 1976. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Josh. Oh, so thumbs down. <laughs> oh, Patrick. I give it a thumbs up. Really? Yeah. I enjoyed it. Huh. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it an apprehensive thumbs up. I didn't love it, but because there was a lot of stuff I didn't like about it. But yeah, it's not, it's not a thumbs way, way up, but it is up. But I don't. I don't need to see it again. Now I'm not sure about the rules that we put up on the last, the last or the previous <laughs> you show. You can go a half thumb. That's can we, it. You can't go quarters. Can't go quarters. So, all right. So I'm going to give a half thumb on this one because. So a thumb sideways. I got a. I got a sideways thumb. Sideways thumb. Sideways thumb. I'm standing by what I said. You need to see the doctor. <laughs> um. Yeah, I liked it, but I'm not planning on watching it ever again. There's three and a half hours of my life that I could do something else. Yeah, I'm I'm 
never going to watch it again, but I, I don't regret watching it. Right. Now, 2018. Orange trip? Orange trip? Orange trip? Or orange trips? <laughs> Patrick. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm not asking if you're here. I'm asking for your opinion. No, I thought you were asking if it was 2018. I said yes. Yeah, and you're wrong on that also. <laughs> what the hell? Wow. Yeah, yeah, thumbs up for sure. Josh? Like I said, I'm probably going to end up buying this. Yeah. Enthusiastic thumbs up for me. Yeah. Uh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. All right. So, uh, the trade up on the uh, 20, uh, 1976 and 2018 gets thumbs up across the board. Uh, Joel, what are we doing next week? I hope to God it's exercise and workout videos. <laughs> <laughs> this it is, is now. It is. We have no choice in this point. But yeah, uh, Sarah, Josh's wife, has come up with the idea that you guys need to talk about exercise videos. Woo! I, I think the way she phrased it was you guys need to exercise. But <laughs> right? I took some. I took some liberties. <laughs> you know what you guys could use? Some time watching exercise videos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if uh, you want to tell us your thoughts about exercise and fitness or uh, your thoughts about uh, Lady Gaga or Barbara Streisand or any of these things that we talk about on 40 Going On 14, give us a call. Let us know at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. Call us to talk about cock bacon. <laughs> no, don't do that. Do it. <laughs> what? Stop. Come on, do it. Cock bacon is a terrible word. You should not say that. Oh, do it. Cock bacon hears you talk about it. <laughs> now <laughs> Stop making the slurpy noises. Cock bacon is sentient. <laughs> 708 now rap. <laughs> Merry Christmas, baby. <laughs> iTunes, Blu-ray, Stitcher, Talk Show, and Noon FM, iTunes.com. Please give us a review about our cock bacon. Don't wake the Merry Christmas, baby. <laughs> Merry Christmas, baby's angry. I love myself a cock bacon. It's going to be the new comic book. It's going to be Merry Christmas, baby, and <laughs> cock bacon. <laughs> and they're a duo. Jesus. Or is cock is cock bacon the superhero? In- it was going so well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last two minutes, we just have to survive that. Guess time to get some more pot roast. Uh, I'm sorry, they burned up on reentry. Look at that, kid. Oh my god! All right, good so night, yeah, everybody. good night, everybody. Hey, Joel, Josh, I didn't get a harumph out of you. Cock bacon. All right, I'm going to go with leave it with that. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Weeks? Weeks. See you next weeks. Yeah. All the weeks. All the weeks. Nicknames would like that, though. Yep. Sometimes, like she signs my cards that you know to me and things like that, and like Christmas gifts and stuff like that. So no, that was that was I think I think that's how Mike found out because he saw something she had written to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "What is this? What's this about? <laughs> this is new. 
you've probably already said too much. Right? <laughs> you because... shouldn't be giving me clues to track this shit down. I'm yes, just no. saying. You're never going to find out. He's already got Brian on it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's on his way to Texas right now. Brian, I'm cashing in a chip. I need to know this. At, the, at this point, if you find out, you'd better warn Mike, because I'm going to assume he told you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that this, didn't this help a like goddamn super. thing. <laughs> I get I to find fi- Mike told me. <laughs> <laughs> I get to find out your secret nickname, and Mike gets his ass beat. Win-win. <laughs> I definitely cannot be trusted with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.